Electric vehicles are all the rage, apparently. Forecasters say that 2020-2021 is a watershed period. Demand will spike, and car manufacturers will say goodbye to petrol engines in the next few years. But how real are the fundamentals for supply and demand for electric vehicles? Should we not be too quick to say goodbye to the combustion engine? You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Remember, you can subscribe to all the national shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. Wishing you all a Ramadan Mubarak on this first day of the holy month. With me is my co-host, the National's Future Editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. So we're talking about electric vehicles. Yeah, you had a hot take this week that we're going to dig into. You have lumped in electric vehicles with other uh, more speculative assets out there in the market these days like SPACs, NFTs, Bitcoin. Defend yourself. So basically, as you've teed us up here in this episode, EVs beginning to feel a bit euphoric. I want to know how, how real the, not the anticipation, but how real the market is going to be. So if, I mean, if I'm defending myself, I'll, I'll just throw out a few numbers. So globally, uh, just, just over 70 million cars are sold worldwide. Uh, in 2020, you had something like 2.4 million electric plug-in vehicles. Um, half of that was in China. So it's a very small percentage. There was a big jump from 2017 to 2018, almost doubled. But 2018, 2019, 2020 has been steady rather than spectacular growth. Mm -hmm. So I look at that and I'm the first to admit that history doesn't necessarily tell you how things are going to happen going forward. But for me to say between now and 2030, even if I'm being charitable, 2040, that 2.4 million is going to exponentially grow to 10, 20, 30 and I'm suspicious because a lot of the statements, and we'll dig into some of those from non-car manufacturers, first of all, mobile phone makers, tech companies who say they want to get in. Uh, and then you have the car manufacturers rushing to kind of say, we're going to abandon petrol vehicles at some point, or we're going to phase them out. I don't want to put words in their mouth. Um, it seems very much about saying the right thing at the moment to mm. boost the share price when... It's fashionable, and you've got a lot of investors out there. We talked a lot about the GameStop phenomenon and Robinhood app and the kind of people driving share prices at the moment. And talking about electric vehicles is uh, you know, good business, perhaps more than actually selling them. It feels the topic du jour. And I want to just step back and actually define electric vehicles for our listeners just so that they understand what we're talking about. It's a car that does not at all depend on fuel, does not have a combustion engine whatsoever. So this is a zero emissions vehicle typically run on a lithium ion battery, um, just so we can sort of ground ourselves in the definitions of the day. So yeah, EVs, I do think it's the phrase du jour because the association is with a zero emissions car. But I think you've made this point before on this show that the most environmentally friendly form of transportation is sort of no transportation at all. A zero emissions vehicle is still, you're still producing a car. You're still putting resources into lithium ion batteries, which are, you know, rare earth mineral derived. Um, There's these sort of natural 
issues with EVs. And I, I do agree with you that we should, this is a good moment to gut check ourselves as we really commit to a form factor as we head into the rest of the 21st century. Do we really want electric vehicles to be the thing that we choose? It does feel, though, like we are starting to put a line in the sand that EVs are the way forward for on our on our roads. What do you think of that? Okay, so we, we're. I want to know what is the problem we're trying to solve, and this is a real, you know, Silicon Valley moment. Yeah. What is what? What are we disrupting here? You know, and and I think I think there are three strands I'd like to pull on. One is that the car car manufacturers are often wrong about future demand. India is a great example of where demand did not measure up to what they expect. They expect India was going to be the next big growth market like China and that they would be selling so many units in India. It just hasn't panned out for a number of reasons. Consumer habits change, generations change. Also, you have infrastructure issues and you have wider issues and, and, and all these things that come into it. So India didn't pan out. And car makers really expected it to. And I remember there's a huge buzz um, when, for example, they launched an Indian-made vehicle. I mean, people were crazy over that. They said, this is going to be, you know, this small car is going to be the future. And it just hasn't turned out that way. So I think they can be wrong. They've been wrong. They will continue to be wrong. They may very well be wrong on this. The second thing is, is, is this just environmental? As you, as you very correctly said, if it is just environmental, then a different kind of car isn't necessarily the answer. It's a false flag. And you, you look at the designs of new cities, we'll take the line in Saudi Arabia, which, which, you know, the concept of it is nobody needs to drive. Right. You're getting into autonomous transport to zip you actually underground to the furthest points away from your home, but that essentially everything that you need to access from work, leisure, eating, play, all of those little real estate developer buzzwords, would be accessible by foot or by bicycle. Uh, and that's true even of old, centuries-old cities like London and Paris and New York and how those cities are being now developed. The idea of the 15-minute city of please do not get into your car, please hop on an electric bicycle or just walk to work or to you know wherever you need to go. So to, yes, to your point, don't get into the car. And the third point is technology itself which has, is developing at such a rapid pace these days. You know, they call it the fourth industrial revolution about the impact on the economy's business, work, life of, of these shifting technologies. So, you, you know, you mentioned autonomous vehicles is one. How does that change our relationship to cars, to vehicles, to ownership, to driving? Right. And I do think autonomous vehicles have been unfairly lumped in with electric vehicles because so far AV developers have developed these cars as either hybrid or electric vehicles because it's the path forward if you want to be a sustainable solution here in 2021. But that's not to say that those sensors, that level of autonomy can't be achieved on any other type of vehicle. And actually, very recently, there was a big Carnegie Mellon study out that said um, EVs are probably actually not a very good uh you know, way of powering AVs because they suck up so much power. So the technology to run an AV is very, you know, intensive, energy intensive. And so you're sucking the battery, usually half the battery to just power an AV rather than, you know, making the car move from point A to point B, which is essentially what it needs to be doing in the first place. 
And what about other tech like fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell technology that is being worked on in parallel? Yes, there is, you know, big question marks about green hydrogen, environmentally friendly hydrogen, as opposed to blue hydrogen, which is made from natural gas, not as friendly. Um, but if they crack that issue, and if there is a larger tipping point of more electricity produced by clean and renewable forms, then hydrogen becomes a real proposition. But also, more broadly, you, you, you are really seeing a big difference in terms of action on climate change. So for, for cars, almost they're the, so good at marketing, these car manufacturers. They have been, they will convince you that a car will change your life. And, and, and so they're applying all of that brilliance to this now, this push for electric vehicles. And part of that is because for a long time, everyone expected Tesla to fail, that it would you know, spectacularly collapse, uh, unable to generate enough cash to keep going. Yet it is survived and could be argued to be thriving, whatever you might think of it. So it's almost like, well, mm, maybe we were wrong on that. So let's quickly rush in. It's like a gold rush on electric vehicles. Right. The rushing in is certainly happening. I mean, spurred by regulation, public policy, incentives to consumers to go EV. Um, and people saying, or I should say, car manufacturer CEOs saying to Elon Musk, we will not be taking this lying down. Well, I think there's a really telling quote from the BMW CEO, Oliver Zipser, who talks about the relationship between um, companies like Tesla and other electric car manufacturers, the traditional manufacturers like BMW, the impact on their market cap on how they are valued because of these trends. And, and it, he, I, I feel he almost reveals, and he's speaking to Reuters, I feel he almost reveals some of, maybe not all of, maybe this is quite you know, nuanced and complex, but some of the intention behind you know, this, this, forgive the pun, this drive towards electric vehicles. Let's listen to that now. We regard our stock price, our market valuation undervalued. You know, it is not reflecting the, the full potential of the company. You know, if our equity is currently higher than our market cap, so something is wrong there, that would assume that you don't have a future. We will be here in 30 years. I'm, I'm, I'm very convinced mm. because we are now doing the right steps and the equity story is not finished for BMW. I think, I think we have a great future. We will grow. So that was the BMW CEO, Oliver Zipser, talking about um, how traditional manufacturers will, will still be here, um, that they are perhaps being undervalued at the moment, and that they will compete, and perhaps beat um, the other manufacturers out there that are focused only on electric vehicles. Um, but I think for the wider conversation that, Kelsey, that you and I are having now is, you know, how real is is the current trajectory of electric vehicles. And, and again, the bigger issue, what, what are they trying to solve here? You know, beyond shifting tens of millions of units to maintain the growth for the, for the overall industry. Right. We seem to be in a moment, okay, it's capturing stock price fluctuations. It's capturing the attention of public policymakers, which therefore means it's capturing headlines. But to really scope the market, okay, so President, U.S. President Joe Biden in his $2 trillion infrastructure plan did earmark $174 billion for EVs and wants 500,000 charging stations across the U.S. by 2030. So that's a real infrastructure play. And it gets into the 
you know, nitty gritty details of why EVs have maybe not hit mainstream is because you do have that range anxiety of, okay, where am I going to charge my car if I, you know, (laughs) leave the confines of my just daily commute? Um, And so then you have to wonder, okay, would something like that materially impact consumer decisions. And that does remain to be seen. That's a very new announcement. It remains to be seen if that will even be passed. But it does show a real appetite from the world's largest economy to build in some EV infrastructure. And everyone is also eyes on China. And where India seemed to fail, China seems to really be picking up some of that slack, uh, which I think is interesting as well. So all of these uh, arguments may well be may well pan out to be true. Um, but uh, the the timeline that we're expecting um, five years, ten years, maybe it takes twenty, maybe it takes thirty. Um, you know, China, for example, is committing overall to to lowering emissions, but at a much longer horizon than say other countries. But is understanding that it, it needs to be going that direction. And and most, if we if we look at all the language at the moment coming out of many many nations, including the U.S., which wasn't the case until Joe Biden became president, um, they've said you know we really have to act on climate change. So. We definitely see the pattern, it, and it reminds me of, of you know literally twenty one years ago, March April t- uh, two thousand, when uh, everyone talked about the internet and it was the dot com boom and you had a stock market bubble, but you had more than a stock market bubble. You had people whose whose lives and businesses and outlook were being completely changed by the World Wide Web, and we saw the direction of where things were headed, but we were too quick to to say that it would happen straight away. You know, we, we we really bought into the hype of it. And and it, obviously, that was March, April 2001. By May, there was a big um, European regulatory decision against Microsoft that turned sentiment on its head. And then tech stocks suddenly fell out of favor and everyone was moving to other, other stocks. Now, that didn't change the fact that um, now Amazon is, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world. Apple, a $2 trillion company. We are a tech universe now. We are not a maybe dot-com universe. And so that bubble burst. Yes. And so I wonder, okay, we seem to be, I think, transportation obsessed at the moment. I wonder if EVs are the dot-com, but transport will be the defining factor of the next couple of decades, that we do really need to crack that nut in order to address climate change in a really material way. So if you're referencing the dot-com bubble... Sure, thousands of companies went under because they, you know, it was a frothy, happy time. But tech companies, those prevailed. So you've got to see, I think, transportation companies are the ones to bet on. Whether or not those are EVs remains to be seen. So to to take that further, transportation, but everyone wants to be a transportation company, it seems. Right. That's that's an interesting point, too. So like Uber, Apple, uh I think Apple, Tim Cook last week spoke to Kara Swisher, New York Times op-ed columnist. She hosts a couple of podcasts. And he said to her that Apple, because the Apple car has been so in the news lately, uh, he was very coy on it. It wasn't about EVs, though. He said it was about robotics. Apple is not interested in the electrification of cars. They are interested in the autonomous capability of potential future transportation modes. And I think that's, I think the EV market's possibly getting a bit of a halo effect around just all the other conversations happening. And we're, we're doing a poor job of sort of picking apart what's happening in this space. It's tempting to think, um, given Apple's track record, that they are applying uh, the same 
innovation and creativity to the experience of being in a vehicle as they did to, for example, to mobile phones. I mean, when they got involved with the iPhone, you know, we were literally just making calls and, and SMSs, text messages. But then, you know, this whole world of apps and, and, and what the phone has become an extension of ourselves, sort of our conduit to our digital existence, our digital lives that are growing as well, that they are, they are understanding that there is a role to play if we're going to be spending a certain amount of our yeah. time in, in, in a vehicle. The smartphone is becoming a bit boring as a form factor. As we start getting excited about like traveling to space and augmented and virtual reality, you know, that those worlds opening up to us outside of this like little three and a half inch screen tech CEOs, if they're savvy and don't want to like stay up at night because they've got a target on their back because their biggest moneymaker is that three and a half inch phone, then they are thinking about things like transportation if they are to survive. And I, I think we have to leave it there. But I, I, I mean, one last point that, that probably we also need to address is, uh, you know, quietly, not quietly, so to speak, but compared to electric vehicles, road vehicles, there's also the skies where there's a lot of investment in R&D and pledges to produce flying right. autonomous taxis and electric ones as well and electric planes. Right. Exactly. So there are other venues, uh, but I do think the EV market is getting a bit of a getting a bit of a boost as a result of all of these conversations, all of this excitement about where we're going. Kelsey Warner, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe or leave a review. You can listen to all the Nationals podcasts at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio content, Spotify, elsewhere. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Do join us again next time. <laughs>